With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. When the Canucks miss the playoffs again. When Jim Benning trades away all our picks. When Goldolden is scratched for the third game in a row. C4 is there. With Sedin-like vision, Horvat's work ethic, and Petey's electric personality. Here comes the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast with Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Powered by Overtime Media. C4 Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Matt Lee with you here in studio coming from the hot box and a warm hello to the patrons listening live on Discord as well. Joined in studio by Anna Forsyth at A4Syth03 on the Twitter machine. Anna, how are you? I'm doing okay. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, not here in studio. Chris Golden at Light Force, taking care of Mrs. Light Force. Home with the, the flu, as far as I'm aware. Doing the family stuff let's be clear too not the coronavirus no no no. yeah as far as we're aware she has not traveled recently to china yeah so i think we're all although no you know what i'm not gonna say it no No, i'm I'm just not gonna say it just don't um my brain caught up before my mouth there (laughs) um yeah how about that coronavirus though by the way yeah it's it's a bit unnerving for sure um I mean, what, what, I promise we're going to talk about hockey getting, <laughs> getting out of here. But, um, yeah, it, there's a lot of hysteria going around in these parts these days. Well, that is kind of the nature of the modern world a little bit. So um, let's just wait and see till the proverbial dust settles as to how bad it really is. But, yeah, it's unnerving. Yeah. Um, very quickly, I'll tell you um, a quick off-the-reel story. I went to China in 2003. It was the very first cross-country uh, flight that I'd ever taken. And the 2003, if you remember, it was when the SARS breakout was happening. Oh, God. And uh, I came back, and in high school, I was in high school at the time when I went, uh, that was the most socially ostracizing two weeks of my life after that. I mean, are you sure it was the, after the SARS virus? Or no, no, no. I'm quite certain it was. It was the most socially ostracizing two weeks of my life, and um, 
what was I going to say? I, I mean, uh, I wasn't sick or anything like that. I came back, but of course, no one was taking their chances at the time. I, I feel like SARS in 2020 would be treated a lot different than SARS in 2003. Well, I've had the misfortune of being on a busy commuter tube yeah. d- during, you know, flu virus panics or any of those things. And when you sneeze on there, even if it's just the one... You definitely get some funny looks and you get your seat for sure. Oh, That's yeah. how you get a free seat. This was also not helped, by the way. Uh, I watched Contagion last night with Matt Damon. Oh, God. Yeah. So Just you've exacerbating just the fear as it was. This is still kind of off the rails, but what I saw for the first time this weekend was the original Mad Max. Have you seen that? No, I've not seen the original Mad Max. It's terrifying. Cause Doesn't no... it have... Is it with Mel Gibson? Mel Gibson, yeah. yeah playing an Aussie... I've Cop? seen the new Mad Max, though. By the way, oh, that's great. Yeah, um, can you can you come a little closer, by the way, just I to make sure as close as I can be. No, no, no. I mean, like literally, oh, you, you. Can, you can pick up the mic and you can come a little closer, oh. just so just to ensure everyone can hear us on Discord. By the by, oh, I see. Because just, oh, also we... by the by, um, just the two of us. It's like you do have the room, and again, I don't okay, have the so, coronavirus. Yeah, this isn't to do with me trying to stay away from Matt. We usually try and record as yeah. far away from possible but, from each uh, other. Just for those who are listening live on Discord, trying to make sure that uh, everyone can hear both of us uh, on this Discord app as we stream live. By the way, uh, recording Monday night, so a lot of us not a lot of this coverage, I should say, is not going to focus on the Canucks versus St. Louis Blues as the Canucks return home from their All Star break. However, Anna, we will talk a lot about the Vancouver Canucks in general. We'll talk about the All Star game in the recap i'm not sure how much of it you watch but we'll get into that coming up in the first segment uh also going to talk about three reasons both why the vancouver canucks will and three reasons why the vancouver canucks will not make the nhl postseason that'll come up in uh, half full half empty as it were or f word as it were i think and then uh, in the last segment we'll also talk a little bit more about miscellaneous things happening to the vancouver canucks Nikita Trampkin uh, back in the news for the Vancouver Canucks in The Athletic this morning uh, from Harmon Dale, by the way. Great coverage coming up uh, from The Athletic, talking about the imminent return, perhaps, of Nikita Trampkin. Also talk about some of the other Canucks prospects who are making news uh, around the league. Uh, all that coming up next here on the C4 Podcast, CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline so anna how much of the uh, all-star festivities did you really watch over the weekend it's okay I, to be honest it's yeah safe space. no well I, as i said last week i'm pretty keen on the all-star game more of a skills game skills competition you're a skills gal yeah rather than the actual game but i saw all of the skills competition and then i saw I didn't see the first game of the All-Star Games. The so non-Pacific game. Yeah, you're so saying. I just saw the two Pacific games. Right. Um, that's good because I didn't watch, admittedly, very much of the skills competition. I only watched the basic highlight packs, but I, I don't know. What was your sort of takeaway from how everyone acquitted themselves? Like, Let's talk about the most Canucks-related items. Uh, Quinn Hughes in the fastest skater competition... I mean, not his best performance. He but, was fine. He didn't but, fall. Like, he held his own, I thought. And, of course, it was like... It felt like a two-person race. I actually thought McDavid was going to run away with it. But, oh, of yeah. course, uh, that was not the trend for Matt Barzo. Yeah, I was surprised at that, too. That was probably the biggest surprise of the skills competition, I thought. 
Yeah, pretty much. I think almost everyone to a man that got interviewed about Fastest Skater said that it's Conor McDavid's competition. Right. But yeah. Um, yeah, Quinn was fine. He was middle of the road. Top I, half, I think. I, do you remember who sets the uh, the players to compete in which uh, skills? Um, competition? I know they were mentioning pa- Patrick Burke from Player Safety. He's okay. like the VP of Player Safety. I just want to know, like, whose bright idea was it for Quinn Hughes I know, to take he's part the only in... defenseman. It was a bit odd. Like, unless like, we're doing a backwards skating competition. Right, he's a very skilled skater, but he's not particularly fast. Right. But, you know, he was fine. Yeah. Um, that wasn't, like, his shining moment of can the weekend, we, I, for sure. I feel like the best takeaway... Well, you know what? Some of the other good takeaways I like. Jacob Markstrom was mic'd up for uh, that longest save competition. I thought that was kind of cool. It was nice to see like some of the personality and some of the color behind Jacob Markstrom. The, yeah, the, then we the suddenly person. got some color. Oh, yeah. yeah. A little too much color. but Yeah, I enjoyed that. Um, it's been a great week. Could have been filmed on HBO as opposed to being swearing. on Hockey Night in Canada, but whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then five minutes later, he's playing with um, Kopitar's kids. So. Right. Um, the other good takeaway that I thought, uh, Elias Patterson, the only forward to register, if I'm not mistaken, you can speak to this, the only forward to register a 100 plus mile per hour shot. Yeah, I think so. the shot competition. Um, yeah, I was impressed with that. Like, I wasn't too surprised. Like, was it 102.4? Yeah. I thought it was 100.5. No, it was 102.4. He had 102.4 miles per hour slap shot. Again, acknowledging I didn't watch the full, uh, skills competition, but yeah. Um, uh, yeah, because he made 99 point something in the um, Canucks skill competition right, last year. Right. So he was trying to break 100. So, um, Were you surprised at 102 then? I was. Like, I thought, you know, I think he has a sneaky hard shot. So right. I, I, I mean, was, we've all seen it throughout the years. Um, but I think even he was surprised by it. Well, did you see the facial? Hard. I mean, yeah. we all saw the facial. Re- like, that's if that's not a gif down the road, I don't know oh, what gosh. is. Yeah. Um. Even he looked a little surprised that it was a 102 mile per hour shot. Yeah, and um, I have to say, I like I enjoyed the weird golf part they had where they had to hit the targets from. It was weird, but I enjoyed it. Um, but definite highlight of the skills competition was the women's three on three. Okay, so you can talk to me about that uh, more than anybody. I mean, I, I, I admittedly didn't watch very much of it, but did you did you like the the entertainment aspect of the three on three tournament with the, uh, yeah. the Canadian U.S. women? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, the Canadian women is slightly more familiar to me from um, the sort of Olympic background. Um, but first of all, it was great to like hear about some of the issues that the women face. Um, and from the broadcast and then just watch some really great hockey a big factor of the men's three and three is often just offense 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 mm-hmm. but the goalies were so good on the three and three um yeah debian playing for the canadians yep. just like unreal performance so yeah it was really enjoyable without trying to make this too much about um you know about gender in the game but from a, a female fan's perspective how kind of new or monumental if you will like i'm not trying to put words into this but like did it feel like a more inclusive event than we had seen in years past yeah and i think obviously kendall coin last year yeah competing in faster skater was a great start and i know a lot of the um women spoke to her performance and how it kind of opened up the competition for them um, as someone who's not overly familiar with women's hockey myself, being not Canadian, so like the big yeah. part would be the Olympics, so which I do watch, but 
you know i'm not as invested in it right um so until there is like fundamental like club hockey for me to sort of get behind i won't be as familiar but um yeah i thought it was just great to see and there'll definitely be a lot of people like me that don't watch a lot of women's hockey Mm -hmm. and it will definitely open up their eyes a little bit I mean, I think for me, um, my perspective is that I feel the NHL has to and is making a concerted effort into integrating women more and more into the game. Um, Obviously, something like the WNHL, for instance, similar to what the WNBA is, it's I, I don't know about the business case for something like that, but it's like I would like to see a slow and steady growth into in- integrating women into the game, whether it's something like having the Canadian and U.S. women play in a game before like when the when the NHL goes to Europe or something for a game like it would be kind of cool just to continue to see more and more uh, women's hockey integrated into the NHL, not necessarily as like its own separate league but as more of a like let's continue having them be a focal point of our league yeah um i think i mean neither you nor i are like sports finance experts Mm -hmm. um but you know that's not really a business market and keeping a hockey team in arizona but Mm -hmm. or floor or like the florida panthers yet they are there so i think there'll definitely be a point at which um, you have to look at the women's league perspective as an investment in talent and they won't make as much money, definitely. But um, I do agree with you that we should keep up the relationship between the NHL and women's hockey. I know they're trying to do that a lot in the Premier League, you know, putting women's games before Premier League games and stuff like that. And I think that really helps. Um, so, yeah, it would be great to see that ongoing kind of investment in their yep, talent fair enough um getting to the actual all-star game aspect itself um i really enjoyed the the product of it actually it's um it continues to be something that the nhl sort of stands by the three and three tournament was introduced i can't remember was it last year or the year before but it's been going on for a, a few years now and um i find it to actually be quite entertaining i actually thought the uh, most interesting aspect of the games themselves was all the uh, player tracking that they had integrated into the actual product. And that's something that the NHL is going to try and integrate more as we get towards the playoffs. But it was kind of cool seeing like the sidebars of how much ice time players have shift by shift, how fast they're going. Um, You know, we see this craving across the league now for better metrics to track player performance. And I thought this was something for the eyes that was really helpful in terms of like tracking who's skating the fastest and the hardest and who's got the longest shifts, etc. Yeah, I I know a lot of people making fun of the park tracking, for example. Right, because, well, yeah. But I just think, you know, you do have new fans looking at an all-star game that don't watch um, hockey like day by day. Mm -hmm. So... I don't think it's a wrong thing. And I think, obviously, they were trying to show it off, the technology, a bit. So they did go a bit overboard. Like, you don't need to know how fast the park is moving constantly. But right. I think, in terms of an experiment, it was really interesting. And I'm sure they'll refine it as they go down the road. I, I'm i with you on the... I'm not the biggest fan of the puck tracking thing. Yeah, I didn't particularly like the look of it. But I guess they were just, like, experimenting with it and seeing... The visuals didn't really translate properly but i mean i i don't know how it is for some of our listeners when they talk to casual hockey fans but i have heard anecdotally people do generally have a hard time tracking the puck yeah that's um, what my like 
family would say watching a hockey game. So I get that there might be a, a background desire to perhaps have the puck be more visible on TV, but like we live in a day and age now where like 60 inch TVs are quite the norm. And so it's, it, you'd have to be quite hard pressed to not be able to see the puck on a 60 inch screen, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, did Quinn Hughes deserve an MVP nomination for, for the, or at least consideration for the all-star game? Yeah, maybe. I wasn't too mad about it, but... Part of me thought, like, just because Brock Besser's got the All-Star MVP under his belt, Elias Pettersson acquitted himself well, I don't know. I kind of wanted to see the trend continue, but it's not something I'm going to lose sleep over. I think that's what you would say. Yeah, I don't think there was a standout MVP from the game. Maybe Thomas Hurdle, like, could feel a little hard done by, but I think he was in the vote, right? Yeah. He was nominated. Um, I wasn't too mad at Fasnack. He's, like... My favorite Bruin being if that he's the only one that's, I that's saying something. don't hate. Um, so, yeah, um, I think really the compliments that Quinn Hughes got from the great one wasn't oh, that an MVP okay, so nomination. Let, let's talk in about itself. this. The, the comments that Wayne Gretzky had for Quinn Hughes along the lines like verbatim, like that young lad is a defenseman. He's got better hands than I did or something to yeah. that effect. I think you hit the nail on the head. That's what you said. I mean, uh, I think that really says something when Wayne Gretzky is saying that about you. Yeah. I also think he's definitely seen when he's before. Like, he's at Rogers like a decent amount. I've seen him mm-hmm. at, uh, several games. I think he just maybe like, gets a little caught up in the entertainment and the wobbly pops available um at rogers arena <laughs> not wanting to cut his aspersions but he's definitely seen quinn hughes play hockey before but yeah you know that's the spotlight was on him so it's like a different it's a different thing and it's definitely a compliment when someone like wayne gretzky says that you have better hands than he did like when we- i saw quinn hughes undressed jordan bennington with that forsberg like move in the in the game i ooh, i felt like a proud father watching him score that goal um a question for you before we get to that first break. Um, how many all-star appearances do you see Quinn Hughes being in in the future? Like, is this something where we can continue to expect Quinn Hughes to be an all-star? Because I think there's no doubt in our mind that Elias Pettersson's got quite a few under his belt in the offing. Um, we could make a case about whether or not Jacob Markstrom gets back there at some point. But it seems like Quinn Hughes has, the, has quite the potential to be in several all-star games down the road. Yeah, and I think he's a young guy for one. Um, the way he plays hockey is very eye-catching and it obviously takes more to be noticed in the West and it does feel like in Vancouver particularly to be noticed league-wide but I think he's definitely on everyone's radar especially since he's a Hughes. Um, so yeah, I definitely see a lot of All-Star games in his future. Ooh, just hook that kind of language to my veins here, Anna. Uh, before we get to the break, I know you want to talk to uh, our friends about The Athletic. Yeah, um, this episode is brought to you once again by The Athletic. Um, I know me and Matt are big fans ourselves. Um, we get a lot of great content on there, such great writers. Um, I know recently we've already talked about Harmon Dial's article on Nikita Triamkin. Um, Harm also wrote an article very recently about Quinn Hughes and how he dropped down in the draft and just the circumstances came for that to happen that i read that article by the way it was amazing getting the insight from other gms about what the teams in front of vancouver were thinking and then what vancouver was thinking i know because we were astounded at the time right you know we were holding our breath and actually you know christmas morning came true 
Um, so that's another great article. But also what the great thing about The Athletic is, is that it's not just articles. There's, you know, they have exclusive podcasts. That's the only place you can get um, Vancast um, with Thomas Drantz and Jeff Patterson. Um, it's not just hockey as well. Obviously, we primarily go to it for hockey, but with the Super Bowl coming up, you're probably going to want to go there as well for your NFL takes. I'm sure Matt will be going on there to... Will you be betting on the Super Bowl, Matt? Uh Oh, yeah. Yeah. Have you already made your bets? You... No, I do those closer to game time. Okay, so you're going to be checking the athletic right before, right up until the game, so you know what you're doing with that. And I obviously go to it for... Premier League takes, um, some of my favorite writers in the Premier League are going over there now, so it's just more and more content. Anyway, um, the great thing for you guys is that we have a promo code for, for you, and that's if you go to the athletic.com forward slash overtime, um, you can get 40% off. So just head on over to the athletic.com forward slash overtime and subscribe to The Athletic. Get all the hot takes from Harmon et al., um, on hockey and on everything else. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. He liked to say the F word. Who going to get the f*** here then? Okay, see ya. off. off is going to have the F word on it. I wish I could give you an explanation about it. I can't. You, 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 out of it. You said the F word, Dad. You called me the F word. This is the F word here on the C4 podcast, CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Um, before we actually continue any further, uh, we're in Discord here as we record things uh, live here on the C4 podcast. Uh, shameless Canuck uh, or Shameless Beardy Canuck, whatever it is, we're calling him on Discord these days. Uh, mentioning that uh, Rogers Arena having their uh, colors outside of the arena, purple and gold, if I'm not mistaken, just to honor Kobe Bryant, who, of course, uh, tragically passing away uh, yesterday. Um, I promise again we're going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks in, in just a second, but I know you don't really watch or follow that much basketball, so maybe you don't have Anna that much of an idea about Kobe Bryant and stuff like that. But do you remember? Like, did you? Do you I mean, you the know fact that I heard like of that. him at all is kind of testament to how right. much he transcended the sport. Because I've heard of three people ever, I think, that's ever played basketball: him, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Obviously, he's made an impression, and I've seen, you know, a few highlights over the years, and mm -hmm. he's definitely featured highly in those. Um, let's put it this way. I, I was ac actually out for a, uh, a walk with future Mrs. Producer. Uh, we were actually on a hike in North Van yesterday, and uh, I got that tweet notification. I think it was from Rick Dollywall on Twitter, because I subscribed to Rick Dollywall's tweets. And uh, it said shocking news about Corbin. Like, I, th this is something I will remember for the rest of my life, like where I was when I found out Kobe Bryant had tragically passed away. And, uh, of course, like, I was born in 1988, so I'm, like, a little over 30 now. Like, Kobe Bryant was, like, right in my wheelhouse of players that you sort of grew up watching in the NBA. And so, literally, like, one of the all-time greats of the NBA. And uh, it's, a, it's a loss, not just 
for NBA fans, but of course for his family and, uh, you know, for whatever it's worth, uh, we're all thinking about the, the Bryant family during this difficult time. Um, and as we move things along here on the C4 podcast on the F word, can we talk about the Canucks playoff chances? The Vancouver Canucks resuming out of the all-star break, still listed as Pacific division favorites, if you can believe it. But of course it's a five way race, pretty much in the Pacific Division. It is still anybody's division. Um, What we're going to do here, because we have talked ad nauseum over the season about, you know, will the Canucks make the playoffs or won't they make the playoffs? Give me one reason, first of all, why the Vancouver Canucks will make the playoffs. Jacob Markstrom. Okay. Elaborate. I mean, we've talked about this before. He's team MVP. Um, He bails the Canucks out of difficult situations all the time he steals games for us um with everything so tight as you mentioned you know even loser points count and Jacob Markstrom cannot score goals for us but well maybe he will (laughs) down the road but he does his best to like ensure Canucks get those points yep um I'll give another reason why the Vancouver Canucks will also make the playoffs. It's just the power play. The power play, we've been waiting for it to sort of fall off um, from the early successes it had in October and even November, despite how lackluster that month was. But the power play has remained consistently potent for the Vancouver Canucks. I think there are teams that have had trouble figuring out the Canucks power play. You know, it's been pretty set in stone on who's in that top power play unit. Um, you know, you got Pedersen, you got Miller, um, the net front presence, you got Besser, you got Horvat sort of as that bumper, Quinn Hughes on the on the point as well. Like it is quite a fearsome five. I would imagine that the Canucks power play unit of those five is probably one of the most lethal in the league. I don't see how the Vancouver Canucks will be disadvantaged most nights on special teams. Like the power play should give them quite an advantage over most opponents on any given night and so if that power play continues to you know be in rhythm and in sync i can't see the canucks losing many games on special teams yeah um i'm with you there i don't know if i mentioned that i was at the canucks practice yesterday i attended the inside scoop yeah the pro-am tournament out at ubc so got to see some sedine action um yeah todd batuzzi was there there was a bunch of old players um but yeah following the game there was canucks practice and i can confirm that the power play the first team first unit of the power play was yeah it's dizzying to watch yeah i think that also comes from the fact that they are consistently playing together as a top unit and i do think that there is something to be said about that as well even on that second power play unit where we're starting to see guys like adam Goddett really find the rhythm jake for tannins getting a little bit of time on the power play as well like even if you can get the odd goal from that second power play unit, it just makes your whole power play that much more lethal. It takes some of that onus or responsibility off that power play unit, the first power play unit, to really strike first. So if you can somehow find two consistent power play units that are clicking, Vancouver Canucks are going to be a very tough team to beat. Yeah, um, I think the second unit definitely go with a shoot-first mentality. And I think the first unit has struggled a little bit lately with that. But I think they're kind of, as we came out into the All-Star break, we kind of saw them go back to their best a little bit more. And I'm hoping they continue that. All right. And give me a third reason why you can see the Vancouver Canucks making these this playoffs. You've mentioned Markstrom. We've mentioned the power play unit. What else sort of jumps off the page as to 
big reasons why the Canucks will make the playoffs. Um, just having that shot down line and the success of Bo Horvat in that shot down role. Um, we've seen him go against the most potent lines in the league. And I can't believe you call it the Horvat line. We all know it's called the Louis Erickson line. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry, the Louis line. Um, but yeah, he's just had so much success mm-hmm. in nullifying like even really tricky offense. So yep. Um, and they don't seem to show any s- signs of like weakening in that way. I do think that there is a-, a little bit of truth in there. And, you know, all jokes aside about Louis Erickson, but like we-, we can't deny that there is some of that second line chemistry there between Pearson and Horvat, which has just continued to grow since Pearson came here at probably around this time last year. So if you can continue having Pearson and Horvat anchoring that second line, you've got that top line unit out there as well. Um, you know, you can sort of make the case if you're having Vertanen on the first line or if he's swapping places with Bessero, who's on the third line to end the All-Star, uh, to start the All-Star break. Like, if you're having three consistent lines out there that are being deployed quite evenly behind Travis Green, um, like, I think that there is something, some effectiveness in having consistent lines that you are able to trot out every single night. Yeah, I agree with you. I do think I have expressed concerns over... Louise yeah, resurgence, resurgence. Yeah. yes you know I was we've always been on that same wavelength that word but yeah um so there is part of me that thinks that his kind of role in the short second line might be short-lived but yep. if that is the case I do think swapping better back on won't be a problem um and we still have um you know when Levo comes back I still think we have three legit lines there Right. Um, while we're on the topic here of Louis Erickson, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter, but I had a, a bit of a bone to pick with Ian McIndyre's uh, article on Sportsnet.ca oh, last week. I saw week. him um, in, at UBC yesterday. Wasn't clear if he was actually at the rink. He just was walking around with a baguette. Fun fact. All right. He likes baguettes. Um, so five days ago, Ian McIntyre comes out with a story on Sportsnet.ca um, talking about what is the like rejuvenation of Louis Erickson's career. And I'm not going to take anything away from what we've seen from Louis Erickson over like the last two to three weeks of hockey. But in the article, Ian McIntyre talks about how Erickson has nine points in his last 13 games. Like, fact-checked. I actually looked it up because that was it was that surprising. Nine points in 13 games. I'm like, that doesn't seem right. He's got eight points in his last 16. Like, how do you bungle up the numbers? It's not correct. Like, Erickson literally has eight points all season. And so, I'm not going to take anything away from Louis Erickson. He's playing decently on a second line where he's given the opportunity. But McIntyre talked about how he has nine points in his last 13 games. Not correct, by the way. And prior to that, he was pointless in, like, the previous 25 to 30 games of the season. Some of which he was also a healthy scratch for. A lot of which he was also so, a healthy scratch for. But yeah. As much as I want to like say I'm back on board the I don't know if I was ever on, but I was back on board the Louis Erickson hype train, like I think it's important to take some context here. Yes, Louis Erickson is playing moderately better because the bar was so low. Right. But like let's not paint him to be worth the thirty six million dollars that he was signed for. Yeah. I think that's You've hit the nail on the head there. That it's just our expectations. Like, let's reel so in low. the expectations a little bit here. Yeah, um, yeah. He's it's not the he's not the second coming. You know, for sure. Um, 
anyway, back on topic of why the Vancouver Canucks will make the playoffs, and it was just discussed in Discord. It's just that the Pacific Division is very much up for grabs for the first time this year than it has been in previous years. I believe it was the Calgary Flames who won the Pacific Division last year. Mm -hmm. The Vegas Golden Knights have always been contenders since their inception as well. The Edmonton Oilers, like, whatever. Like, they've sort of been in discussion. But this is the first year where the San Jose Sharks really don't seem to be in the hunt for the Pacific Division, let alone a playoff spot. The LA Kings have been basement dwellers. The Anaheim Ducks aren't going anywhere. Like, there is a very real possibility five Pacific Division teams could make the postseason and the Vancouver Canucks have as good of a chance as any of those other five teams of winning the whole thing. Yeah, it, I mean, the league is funny. The Western Conference is particularly funny. Like, the Pacific Division, yeah, it's tight, but it is very weak. Like, we're leading the Pacific Division with 58 points um, off of 49 games. St. Louis has the same amount of games and have 10 points more than us. So, like, like St. Louis and Colorado in the other division scares the pants off of most teams. Yeah. It's just the fact that um, all the Pacific Division is fairly weak, but fairly evenly matched, whereas the Central, mm -hmm. they have a couple of really strong teams yep. and then some weak teams as well. Like, let's also talk about how kind of important it might be for the Canucks quote-unquote playoff aspirations to win the division like if they win the division they literally play one of the two wildcard teams that make the postseason and i will take the canucks in most cases against any of those wildcard teams as long as it's not st louis and colorado yeah i i, I think like there's there's a, a there's winnipeg I, scare me a bit if a little winnipeg bit make it a little bit but like i mean we weren't even talking about the Canucks winning a round, Anna. We were talking about the Canucks just maybe challenging for a playoff spot. And right. yet, here we are entering the mid, the beginning of February, and there's this realistic route where the Canucks can somehow win a playoff round. Yeah, I mean, that's exciting. And, you know, who knows how the Pacific is going to end up. So if we end up playing against an Alberta team... I'll take the Canucks all day. Yeah, and I think it would be such a fun series. I would just, I would want to, like, win or lose, I just want to be part of that. Does that make sense? <laughs> That's very like, sweet. I'm just, I'm just here so I don't get, like, I just want to be here for the, the series. Yeah, I, I am actually with you on that. To be honest, like, expectations had been tempered going into the season that, like, even if we push a team to seven games and lose in the first round, I'm okay with it. I was just of the mind, like, oh, we're going to make the playoffs and we're going to get swept in four or something like that, like... I think the Canucks can at least do better than that at this point. Yeah, I would agree with you. But as you say, yeah, Colorado particularly, St. Louis definitely scared the hey, Jesus out of me. But the Canucks don't have to meet those guys until at least the third round at well, this point. Well, if it stays like it is. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, those are all, I think, legitimate reasons as to why the Vancouver Canucks will make the playoffs for the first time in five years. And it's kind of crazy to believe, but it's all very realistic at this point. Um, let's get to the reasons why they might not make the playoffs, Anna. And I'll go first on this one since you went first in the last one. But it's obviously starts and ends with, like you said, Jacob Markstrom. If Jacob Markstrom somehow reverts back into a pumpkin, clock strikes midnight, <laughs> if they will. God. Like it, it, it's it, it sends the playoff aspiration spiraling quite out of control. Yeah. Um. If he, yeah, it takes a dip in form. If he suffers a significant injury. Like, I don't think either you or an, I think there's that Thatcher Demko isn't a great goalie, 
or doesn't have the potential to be great, but I wouldn't say he's ready to carry a team through the playoffs. I mean, I, I'll, I'll back, say this. Like, I, I like, I like, I still like Thatcher Demko in the long term, but I do I have agree. a hard time trusting him in a seven game, seven game playoff series when compared to Jacob Markstrom. Yeah, this year I don't see him as that. Yeah, ultimately, really strong goaltender that right. could do that. Um, so that's a big concern for sure. Your your second reason why the Canucks might not make the playoffs. Um, I don't know if this is too general, but that defense man like it's still pretty worrying um i know he's kind of had a mixed bag tyler myers wasn't as isn't anywhere near as bad as we thought he was gonna be Mm -hmm. and he's had some decent looks on offense but he does concern me his play a little bit um erratic erratic let's call it yeah that's a good word um tanev like very dependable but has been very like, injury knock on, prone. Knock, knock on wood, he's been very exactly. So yeah, that's obviously our big concern, and like that Tanev Hughes partnership, like that's been working so well. Is it kind of crazy to think that Hughes can only go as far as Chris Tanev can go? Or is it's that, not like completely it, crazy. Like I'm not. I, I, I their I, dynamics just we work love, so well together. We love Quinn Hughes's game. But it seems quite clear from talking to Quinn Hughes that he credits a lot of it to having Chris Tanev be his partner on that on that pairing. And if Chris Tanev goes, there's this scenario where you know Hughes has to be pa- partnered back up with Tyler Myers, who we just talked about. Um, it's a match made in heaven, Hughes and Tanev, and to have the quote unquote success of Quinn Hughes dependent on the health of Chris Tanev is a little worrying. Yeah, for sure. Um... You don't want to see Quinn Hughes kind of inhibited in any way. And you've got to think there's sort of some pause with his offensive power if he yeah, has to play with someone like Tyler Myers. Sticking with the defense, um, your second reason why the Canucks might not make the playoffs. And we can talk about this in future episodes as it gets closer. But it does seem as we get closer to the deadline that maybe there is some interest from management to perhaps shore up that defense with something a little bit more proven, a, a second or third pairing defenseman that might be available. Right, but we No all, one's going to break the bank. Yeah, that's the thing. We've expressed our concerns about the Canucks going all out, sort of going hell for leather, to not just make the playoffs, but, you know, thinking that they have this big chance to win the cup. Um, so, yeah, I guess it depends on what's out there, but I'm not sure there's anything available for a price that Canucks would be willing to pay. Yep, I think so too. Um, I, I mean, I, I struggle to try and come up with a real solid third reason why the Canucks will not make the playoffs, which is kind of crazy to be- even believe. But, but the second reason is quite a big one. It is quite a big one. And, I mean, you could sort of suggest that injuries um, for any team would be very damaging to their playoff chances, of course. But let's talk about this. The Canucks went into the All-Star break, Anna quite lucky in terms of the injury front um it seems like the first time in quite a while that the Canucks have been relatively I don't want to say lucky with the lack of injuries that they've had and Chris Faber mentioned this on last week's episode the Canucks have been very fortunate not to get riddled with injuries yeah um I think over the years Canucks have had some quite bad luck with injuries um yeah especially Tanev Edler seem to be made of glass um Obviously, Levo was a bit of a hit, but really it could have been a lot worse. And He'll be back, though, for the long playoff run. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
And we had a bit of bad luck at the beginning of the season that yep. seems to have turned around. Yep. So, yeah, as long as there's not any significant change to that, then, yeah, it looks good for once. Yeah. I don't know. I, a third reason why the Canucks might not make the playoffs, I mean, I don't know. Anything? It's a uh, look at us. We're like consistently labeled the most negative members of the team, and look at us being positive. We've got more reasons for them making the playoffs than them not. I mean, I think one of the concerns I have is that despite us tooting his horn, there doesn't real seem to be a mainstay on that top unit with Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson. Um, you know, Louis Erickson has been there, Josh Levo has been there, but it's kind of been a bit of a revolving door on that second line with those two. Um, you kind of hope that there's a more permanent solution. I, I, I don't know if Louis Erickson is that permanent solution, but you'd like to see the Canucks find dependable scoring on not just their top line. Yeah. Um, it's obviously the second line is sort of interesting in that it's more of a shut down, shut down line than anything else, but it has been producing some scoring chances as well. Um, the third line just does look very dynamic. Okay, though, let's so. talk about this. The fourth line is definitely the weakest of of oh, all. Oh yeah, of and so maybe that's our third reason because that, I guess that they might are be quite far below the third line. Like you were hoping for a heck of a lot more consistency from that, like Jay Beagle, uh, you know, Tim Schaller, Tyler Mott trio that we see saw going into the All Star break. Um, I don't know. Maybe that's another move that Jim Benning's got on his radar going into the trade deadline is just really shoring up that fourth line and that bottom pairing. Yeah, because you do look at teams that have had successful playoffs and you do think that they have at least something to every line. So, and the fourth line just does concern me because they really had some success at some point at the beginning of the season of, you know, all they need to do is not, you know, there's, they're not trying to be offensive. They just need to be, like, that defensive, right. like, line. And that hasn't really been happening of late. So it does concern me for sure that they don't have that as, like, a mop-up option. Um, I just want to clarify, by the way, uh, the Canucks have been lucky on the injury front going into the All-Star break, as in they're quite healthy going into the All-Star break. Whereas, obviously, before in October, November, they were definitely hard lucked by some of the injuries. So, that's kind of what I meant by they've been a little lucky on the injury front. Um, Going to take a break. We'll come back. We'll get it into half full, half empty, talking about some of the news uh, around the Canucks sphere in terms of Tyler Madden. We'll talk about Vasily Podkolzin and Nikita Triumkin uh, possibly returning to the Vancouver Canucks next season. That's all coming up next on the C4 Podcast, CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never, ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? That Because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder <laughs> Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Patterson, you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. <laughs> Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He can play. He's going to get a lot of power play time and... Yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. All 
right. So this is the F word. Half full, half empty. Sorry. <laughs> I, I. You know what? I'm gonna get. I'm I multitasking. I literally said this like. I'm multitasking less than as I go. Ago. Um. Have you seen some of the great gifs that mm-hmm. Cam Robinson has been tweeting out, uh, Anna, about Vasily Podkols and then the KHL? Yeah, he's been going on a bit of a loving for him. Well, I mean, he scored his first KHL goal last week. Then he scored his second. Then he scored a beautiful backhand sauce assist on a KHL goal. All of a sudden, Facility Pod Colson's got, you know, bushel full of points in hit to his name. Bushel. That's a um, great word. I mean... It, all, ta- all things being serious, though, Anna, um, it is a very encouraging sign because I think we've debated quite often here about the merits of Pod Colson uh, continuing to play, like, what, the 30 seconds to two minutes of ice time that he would get on a regular basis for SKA, SKA in uh, the KHL? Yeah, um, I think he's definitely turned a corner. Um, it seems like he's really putting his game together a bit. I know... Um, we obviously talked about the World Juniors and didn't, you know, quite have that standout performance that we wanted. But I think kind of slow and steady wins the race. It does seem like he's having a legit development now. Um, I don't think we need to rush it by any stretch. Like, give it time. And it's really been, you know, only recently that he's been given proper ice time and been able to actually showcase a bit. So... I think, yeah, take it steady, but I'm encouraged. Well, I think it's also important to be encouraged by it just because of the fact that we know Pod Colson's locked into this for one more year at least. And, you know, a lot of analysts often talk about how important draft plus one and draft plus two years are for a player's development. I'm not sure what the future holds for Pod Colson playing in the KHL, but as long as he's getting decent-ish minutes in the KHL. That's all I care about. And the KHL is a great league. It's a professional league. It's probably one of the the best leagues that's not the NHL. Um, but Canuck fans need to be assured or at least rest easy knowing that one of their top prospects, probably the top prospect, is getting the the minutes he needs to develop properly and to you know own his skill set before Pod Colson comes over to the NHL in 2021. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on down the lineup here, can we talk a little bit about... Hmm, what do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about Tyler Madden or do you want to talk about Nikita Tramkin? Either or. Let's talk about Tramkin just because we'll stick with the Russia here. Uh, Harmon Dale, as we mentioned earlier in, in the uh, the show, writing an article uh, talking to Igor Ironko from the KHL. He's a Russian uh, hockey writer covering the KHL. Basically a one-on-one with Igor talking about how Nikita Trampkin's unhappy in the KHL. And, you know, if you haven't checked it out yet, do so on The Athletic. Great article uh, talking about what's sort of gone right and wrong for Nikita Trampkin in the KHL. But things started great for Nikita Trampkin that first year of his three-year deal in the KHL. He was named captain of his team, um, was named to the All-Star game, if I'm not mistaken, as well. But this, the last two years, including this year, has been a very sharp decline in terms of his play and his unhappiness. Stripped of his captaincy, his ice time has been decreasing year over year as well in the KHL. And the other important thing to consider here, Anna, is both Jim Benning and Trampkin and his agent have all sort of left the door open for Nikita Trampkin to come back. My first question to you is, do you welcome back Nikita Trampkin with open arms? I mean, sure. I think that... um... 
everyone deserves a second chance and i don't think it's a huge crime really mm-hmm. that he didn't quite settle in vancouver but seems like he's very unhappy where he is and i think mental health plays a huge part in performance um so i'm not surprised that he's not you know having the greatest year when he's in that circumstance um I think it still depends on a lot of things and Canucks fans get a bit obsessive over things they don't have. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't like count my chickens about him coming back right away or um, what to expect when he does. But yeah, I'm definitely open to the idea. Can we also say in like hindsight being 2020, seeing how unhappy Trampkin is now um, and how like logjam the Canucks blue line is, I've got a question for you. Did Jim Benning play the Nikita Trampkin fiasco, if you will, very well? Because I think everyone was sort of upset to see Trampkin go after such a shortened stay in the NHL. And a lot of people like lambasted Jim Benning for, you know, not doing enough to try to get Nikita Trampkin to stay. But then the Canucks have clearly built a blue line, which is different now than it was back when he left. Um, I guess what I'm saying is like, the Canucks let Trampkin go. They played like the, like, go ahead and like do what you want to do kind of role. And now they're welcoming him back supposedly with open arms to a team, which is already like pretty well off on defense. And now Nikita Trampkin can perhaps earn a spot the right way. Like he should have done back when he originally left. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it would, if Jim Benning's wholly responsible or like it would have happened the way like it wasn't his grand plan by any means to like no. let him go and then be unhappy there and come back or anything for sure but, but maybe it would have but he maybe would have left whatever Jim Benning did mm-hmm. um maybe it was the grass is always greener kind of yep. idea that he thought it would just all be better if he went back to Russia and it hasn't worked out that way um I don't think we can say that Jim Benning has come out like as an absolute champ in many yep. player development and player negotiation situations. But I also did very much get the impression that Nikita Tramkin wanted to go to the KHL no matter what. Right. And I think a lot of that was just the familiarity he has with Russia and the fact that a lot of that salary was less taxed as well. So there were a, a multitude of reasons why Tramkin decided to go to the KHL in the first place. But, you know, I mean... I don't think it's hurt the Canucks by losing Trampkin for a few years in the KHL while they've let other players like, like you can make the case that Troy Stetcher doesn't get to see the role he does today if Nikita Trampkin was still on this roster. Yeah, and obviously we've seen Stetcher like hasn't his development hasn't been a straight line, but he's definitely gone from strength to strength. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as I say, like I'm definitely open to seeing him come back, like. We saw a lot of strengths from his him as a player, but he was by no means perfect. So, I'm just, yeah, I'm not investing in it too heavily either way. I right. Say. Uh, last question on Trampkin that I'll ask you: If Nikita Trampkin does in fact return to the Vancouver Canucks going into next season, where does Nikita Trampkin slot in your lineup? Does he make it into the top six, or is this a situation where he will have to earn that spot? I think he'll very much have to earn his spot. And I think rightfully so, because there is going to be yet another logjam at this point next year, whether it's with Troy Stetcher still in a uniform or if it's Chris Tanev still in uniform. Like, there are a lot of defensemen on that roster, and there's not a lot of space for others. 
Yeah, and... We haven't even talked about Levy and Rafferty, by the way, challenging. Right, who are, like, their development is going pretty well in Yuka. I know we still don't, you know, it's still not been that long for Yule Levy, considering all the injuries, but, you know, they are looking pretty good. Um, So, and we are tied to people like Tyler Myers, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Like, we wish we didn't, like, Jim didn't sign that contract, but he did. So, you know, it's not an easy, like route to the lineup for sure um i think harmdale did put it very eloquently in his piece in the athletic it's that i do think canuck fans have this romanticized view of who nikita trampkin is and in reality at the age of 25 there isn't no pun intended that much room for his game to grow I feel like we kind of have already seen what we're going to see out of Nikita Trapkin, the NHL player, and that it's at best a bottom pairing defenseman that can eat some hard minutes and not do a whole lot else. Yeah, I uh, Canucks fans are so good at just like misremembering players or Mm -hmm. like, yeah, romanticizing what we had. Um, So, yeah, it's not like he was... He's not a Quinn Hughes or anything no, like no, no. it. No, no, and and like even removing Quinn Hughes' name, like people have this lofty, misconstrued perception of Trampkin as like the next Dano Chara. Like that comparison has followed Trampkin for years now, and it still follows him to an extent where fans think that Trampkin is this Dano Chara that's playing in the KHL. And that he's going to come back to Vancouver and just be an absolute beast on the blue line. Which I feel like those kind of expectations do need to be reeled in. Yeah. So. But yeah, good luck telling that to Canucks Nation. Oh, I know. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I, I think that what we're trying to say with respect to Trampkin is a lot of what Harm's saying. Will we welcome him back to the Vancouver Canucks organization with open arms? Yes. But is he going to be automatically put into ink as a top six defenseman? No. In fact, it's quite the opposite. I think Nikita Trampkin is going to have to battle the likes of, like we mentioned, Oli Levy, Brogan Rafferty, those types of players who are knocking on the door to be Vancouver Canucks. And I feel like, from a justice standpoint, that's kind of deserved for Trampkin. Like, he cannot expect to walk onto this team and be an everyday player. If that's the way he thinks it will be, I, like... I'm not even going to rule out the possibility Trampkin should go to Utica next year if he decides to come back. Right, yeah. I, As you say, like, I... Yeah, I'm not too worried about fairness in the sense of whoever's, like, played well in the past or done their duty, but in terms of you still have to earn a spot, and if he comes back and he's, you know, strong enough to earn a spot on the team, good for him, but, yeah, I don't, like, necessarily see it as straightforwardly as that. Yeah. Uh, last little bit that I'll add here, uh, Tyler Madden in the hunt for a Hobie Baker award. Gee, the Canucks have had a few of those these uh, last few years. Yeah, I mean, our very own Adam Gaudet won it in mm-hmm. 2018. Yep. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, it would be great to have... Quinn Hughes was sort of, but not really, in the running last year as well. Yes. Got a little bit of consideration, but it's becoming Being a little... Being out by... You know, his constant adversary. Nah, like, I don't even know who you're talking about. Um, 
but like for real, it, it is like becoming a little bit of a tradition for the Canucks to have a prospect in the running for the Hobie Baker, and it's uh, something that I will continue to enjoy um, from the Canucks perspective. Like I will continue to watch and enjoy uh, Canucks prospects getting named for the Hobie Baker Award. Yeah, it does seem like um, so the NCAA is like almost coming back into fashion as a development league. Oh, and I love the NCAA. And as I a feel like league. the Canucks have almost ahead of the curve in that perspective with their scouting in the you know back with Brock and yep. Troy like they really invested heavily in watching college kids and putting their prospects into good college programs um yeah and it's paid off for them I don't want to get too far ahead of myself but I do know that the Canucks do have another prospect who's playing for Northeastern um that is not Tyler Madden as well like Aiden McDonough he was the draft pick for the Vancouver Canucks last year I don't think he's going to be able to be nominated for the Hobie Baker next year, but he's also doing very well uh, for Northeastern this year as well. I don't know. I, I don't know who the Canucks are going to draft this year in 2020 that is going to Northeastern as well. That'll probably be a Hobie Baker nominee in 2021. But uh, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is Tyler Madden up for the Hobie Baker again. Make sure we get the votes in uh, once they start allowing the votes to happen. I Yeah, I think it's open. Is it open already? Okay. Yeah. Well, so everyone get, get voting. Uh, and as we wrap things up here on the C4 podcast, uh, the Vancouver Canucks are just about to square off here with the St. Louis Blues in their first game back from the All-Star break. Any sort of things that you want to weigh in on uh, as we head into the second half of the season? No, I'm just excited. Obviously, um, a big test will be like facing off against the St. Louis Blues. Um, so, yeah, it's still, it's still ways to go. And... You know, Canucks are going to have to fight hard if they want to make the playoffs. Right. Um, one thing that we do want to announce here from the C4 podcast as well, in case you missed it and you don't follow us uh, on Twitter at Canucks Hockey Podcast or Canucks, what is it again? Canucks Hockey so, and as well as the C4 yeah, podcast. Yeah, the C4 podcast. Um, we are hosting or we're going to organize or we're having Chris organize a, a good old fashioned tweet up Saturday, February 29th. Yes, Chris is in charge. Um, so it's just like, you know, it's... Uh, it's good old natural fun um, for you know, a lot of those who used to go to tweet up. So um, if you haven't saw, seen those details yet, uh, make sure you follow Chris's tweets at Lightforce for more information. Uh, I'm sure that he'll have more to talk about uh, as the it gets closer. But Saturday, February 29th against the Toronto Maple Leafs at Jaegers. Jaegers downtown. Yeah, and so I think the game starts at 4, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Um, I believe so. It's the Leafs game, and I feel like it's at home, but I they're having it at four. Um, yeah. Well, that's how it goes. Yeah. So, uh, make sure you uh, you know, leave some room in your calendar, if you will, if you're thinking about something to do on Saturday, February 29th at four p.m. Again, uh, Chris organizing a bit of a tweet up happening at Jaeger's downtown, four p.m. So for those of you in Vancouver, definitely check it out. Um. Anna, if uh, people have found us here for the first time, do you want to tell people where they can find us? Yeah, as you kind of mentioned, somewhat bungled it. Um, on Twitter, we're at um, the C4 Podcast. On Facebook, we're at facebook.com forward slash the C4 Podcast. We're on c4podcast.com. And we're also on Discord, which is where you can find all the fun hockey chat as well as some nonsense as well. And you find that at bit.ly forward slash c4 discord which is all caps that's bit dot ly forward slash c4 discord all caps and that's also the pin tweet on our twitter nice thanks 
Nailed it. It's almost like I have it written down in front of me. Um, yeah, any final words uh, as we go into or as we uh, finish off the show here, Anna? I think you kind of already said it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just look, I know, uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully beating some Lois. So I bungled this in the rundown, but uh, you are you are here next week, but you're not here for the episode after you're going to the Lollardshire's game. Yes, it is the first game of the Sedine week. Okay, so next next week, just for my like calendar purposes, is the start of Sedine week. Yes, Monday, February 10th. Um, and that game is um, Legends Night, I believe. Right. So it's um, the people who have had their jersey retired already. So is Pavel Bure and Marcus Nazan going to be there? I don't know. Trevor Linden, though? Trevor Linden, I believe, is there all week. Yeah. Are you sure this time? No. <laughs> Not at all. Fair enough. Um, okay, well, uh, the last thing I'll ever say, it's, it's going to be a great second half, I think, for the Vancouver Canucks. And it's probably going to be one of the most exciting halves of hockey that Canucks fans will have seen in the last five years like this is going to be a mad dash to the finish line uh for the Vancouver Canucks and you and I have both sort of said without saying it that this team is going to make the playoffs but it's like it's going to be close no matter what yeah and um it's exciting to be part of for the first time in a few years so um it's it's great that we're actually being able to talk about the Canucks chasing a playoff spot as opposed to chasing a lottery pick for the first time uh, in recent memory so it is exciting that we're gonna we're able to do that uh, this second half so stay with us here on the c4 podcast as the second half rolls on uh for the absent chris golden at light force the always missing in action adam oc at adam foc she is Anna Forsyth at a Forsyth 3 i am matt lee at matt lee underscore 61 all on twitter With all that said, we're out.